And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, and today we're going to talk with Michael Ferris, Chancellor of Patrick Henry College and Chairman of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, a national organization that promotes homeschool education and legally protects homeschool families challenged by the public school system on the basis that their kids are somehow not in public schools. I'm an attorney and a partner with the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, not-for-profit administration to religious freedom, and I might add defending um, homeschoolers from time to time here in Illinois. You can find out more about us by going to maukbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call us at 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up to date on developments about faith in the law. Michael, after that big introduction, uh, it's great to have you on this show. Well, Rich, it's a pleasure to be with you, and thank you so much for what you're doing for the people of Chicago. I have admired you and your organization, Homeschool Legal Defense Fund, since the 80s when my family began homeschooling. Uh, We homeschooled five of our six children over a period of 10 years, Um, and we say uh, a lot of that credit, of course, has to go really to my wife, Mary, who did an incredible job with our kids, but a lot of it goes also to a Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Uh, You gave us the courage to stand up and not be afraid uh, with regard to the laws and that kind of thing, so uh, just it's great to be on the show with you. it's a pleasure to be with you, and just uh, you, the way you describe your family is uh, fair for almost all uh, homeschool families, including mine. Homeschool moms are a real hero in this uh, set of heroes in this country. I don't think anybody has any idea how hard they work and how much they really dedicate uh, their lives to their kids. It's just I stand in awe as every time I think about it. And my kids have done fabulously, and I attribute it to to my wife Mary. Um, Michael, you're a trial lawyer. You're the chairman of Homeschool Legal Defense uh, Association, and you're also the chancellor of a college. That's quite a resume. I want to start with Homeschool Legal Defense uh, Association. Uh, You're also the father and a homeschooler, but uh, tell us about uh, Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Well, HSLDA uh, has been uh, active defending homeschoolers. for 33 years now. Uh, We have about 85,000 families that are members of the association, and we have uh, a staff of about 11 lawyers uh, and uh, a big support team because we do many, many other things besides the the actual legal defense. We provide um, uh, counsel for families in terms of academic counseling and special needs counseling and uh, ministry to widows and all kinds of other things through our foundation and so on. So it's over 33 years we've expanded the the scope of our service to the homeschool community, but we're there to defend and, and help the homeschool community. Um, we 
um, you get several thousand um, potential uh, cases a year or conflicts with, with uh, government officials, usually uh, superintendents or sometimes principals, sometimes truant officers. Um, and uh, But the vast majority of those were able to, to solve uh, with uh, calls and letters and and uh, non-litigation alternatives. And so preventing um, trouble is, is a really big part of, of what we do. And so uh, if these people didn't have uh, quick legal counsel right at that spot, many more cases would, would end up in litigation. Michael, I, I would agree with that. I have served as um, local counsel for um, homeschoolers here that uh, your organization has referred. And I will say I've never had to go to trial on a single one. Uh, We've uh, worked a lot with the superintendents, and, and once you inform them, uh, A, of what the law is, and, and B, then you uh, give them measures by which they can understand that, that schooling is really taking place. It's been my experience that, that they usually back off. Most of the time, that's right. Now, there, there are exceptions to that, of course, and, and those exceptions end up in litigation. And so we, we still have... Um, you know, a number of cases in litigation every year, uh, dozens of cases uh, end up in litigation every year over a wide variety of issues. Um, it's not so much uh, these days about the right to homeschool itself, although um, that was an issue in California not that many years ago, about five years ago, where a court out of the blue ruled that homeschooling was illegal, and we moved in in that case. It had been handled by court-appointed lawyers in a juvenile matter where they weren't members of HSLDA, and and so um, the thing got to the California Court of Appeals with nobody knowing about it um, because it was a closed case. And so uh, once they made that ruling, uh, we uh, intervened and were able to get a, a motion for rehearing. I did the uh, constitutional part of the oral argument. They actually granted two hours of oral argument uh, uh, per, per side. It was, it was an amazing oral argument. I've never seen anything that long. And so uh, officially as an amicus, but I was, I was the one who argued the constitutional issues on the case, and, and the court reversed themselves and held that homeschooling was indeed protected in California and was lawful in California. It sounds like you did a really good job because California is a tough place to litigate. It, um, it, is. it is. It is indeed. And, you know, I, I've been in a lot of appellate courts where I thought I won, and I turned out I didn't win. Yeah. But I've never been in a court where I thought I lost, and I turned out winning. That's that's what happened. I, mean, I didn't think I lost because I did a bad job. I just, you know, reading the judges. Yes, I I, um, I know I've been and, there on that one. Um, yeah. So, uh, but you know, the, the Lord uh, delivered anyway, and it was it was fantastic. And so those kinds of things happen on a regular uh, or a semi-regular basis. We had a, a judge in Mississippi a couple of years ago. Who decided that he he uh, granted a motion that he himself made in a case that didn't exist, and um, uh, ordered the truant officers in five counties to give him the names of all homeschool parents and kids, names, addresses, phone numbers, and so on, because he was personally going to check on all of them to see if he uh, they were doing uh, an adequate job according to his standards. Uh, we took him to the state Supreme Court and got it, got all that undone and reversed and, you know, taught the judge that, you know, the law really is the law and he can't, he can't do it. So things like that still arise, but the basic right to homeschool 
is uh, normally pretty well settled, but there's all kinds of other issues that are that arise that we end up litigating on a regular basis. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker with the law firm of Malk and Baker. Today we are speaking with Michael Ferris, chairman of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association and chancellor of Patrick Henry College. Uh, my time is going to run out, and there are so many things to talk to you about. Uh, what do you see uh, as the key issues uh, that homeschoolers are facing right now? Well, there are issues that we're facing today, and then there's issues that we're going to face in the long run that are, that are looming. Uh, but the ones today often re, uh, revolve around um, being recognized as having properly graduated for, not for colleges so much. Most colleges, in fact, the vast majority of colleges want homeschoolers, but for um, various kinds of apprentice programs and you know, like cosmetology school a couple of years ago wouldn't let homeschoolers in. Just they were down the road for Princeton University, where you can go to home. You know, homeschoolers can go readily, and so can't cut hair, but you can go to Princeton. And so uh, we we end up litigating a fair number of cases for uh, homeschool graduates to to ensure that they're treated fairly. There are and a whole bunch of cases involving social workers banging on people's door, wanting in in violation of the Fourth Amendment. Yes, uh, Michael, I wanted to to pick up on that a little bit. Back when I was homeschooling, there wasn't a lot of data yet out on how homeschoolers are doing and, and, and uh, uh, downstream what happens with homeschoolers. There is now. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, on, there have been a number of studies about the uh, test scores of homeschool kids, um, K through 12, and the, the basic uh, consensus of all these studies is this. Homeschoolers do uh, about a grade to two grade levels higher than their public school counterpart. And that'll vary a little bit by subject matter and a little bit by year, but it's always um, basically the, homeschool, the average homeschool kid is in the top 10% of the public school class uh, is a pretty fair way to, to summarize it, which means they're doing very, very well indeed. As, as a group, if you were to take private schooling as a group, public schooling as a group, and homeschooling as a group. Homeschooling is the most successful academic program in the nation. Now, of course, in private schools, there are great private schools, and there's going to be great kids that come through it. In public schools, there are going to be great kids that come through uh, public schools as well. But, but averages, our averages are the highest in, in any form of education. And they do very, very well at college. They do uh, well in all kinds of fields of, I mean, just since it's kind of Chicago-ish, uh, I have a son who's getting a Ph.D. in biochemistry at Notre Dame right now, and, of course, he was homeschooled all the way. And, and he's I, not have a, I have a son and a daughter who've gone through Notre Dame as well, so it is kind of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me ask you, I've got a very few, uh, less than a minute, uh, but there's another element to homeschooling that I, uh, I know you're very uh, concerned with, and that's the faith element and the religious freedom element. Uh, briefly, and we may have to pick this up right after the break as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about that in homeschooling. Well, about two-thirds of homeschoolers um, do it because they want to see their kids' uh, spiritual and moral development um, in accord with the, the beliefs that they have rather than the beliefs of their peers or the beliefs of society at large. That was certainly one of my motivations. Um, we're going to go on a break. Coming up, we will be talking again with Michael Ferris, Further about homeschooling and the law, I'm Rich Baker 
with the firm of Malkin Baker, and you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with Michael Ferris, chairman of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association and chancellor of uh, Patrick Henry College. Uh, Michael, as I stated, we're gonna. Uh, I really do want to talk to you about the college, but before we do, when we uh, took the break, we were talking about the future of homeschooling. Uh, what do you see as the issues in the future of homeschooling right now? Well, I got the insight uh, for this uh, glimpse into the future by reading a whole bunch of law review articles uh, a couple, three years ago, uh, where I just decided, you know, to take a look and see what they were saying about homeschooling, and I found a a whole collection of things uh, led by a handful of professors who um, were taking the position that homeschooling should either be banned entirely. In fact, uh, this one author, a professor at Emory University, uh, writing in a law review, said that it should all private education should be banned in this country because we need kids to be taught in the tolerance of the public schools. And there's a similar article written by a professor at Northwestern uh, Law School, and she argues that homeschooling should be regulated for content so that we force families and force kids to uh, be educated in the um, the worldview and the philosophy of they call tolerance. Michael, that's a very frightening concept. Now, you've even argued before the U.S. Supreme Court on, on religious freedom and, and those issues. How do you view this, uh, given what our laws are? It, it's just an absolute rejection of the fundamental principles of this country. In fact, there's a very interesting parallel. Um, in the 1920s, the Ku Klux Klan and the Scottish Rite Masons got the state of Oregon to ban all private education because they wanted kids to become true Americans, they, they said, in their image. And, and it, you know, it passed the, you know, it was a ballot initiative and it passed in Oregon. And the education elite of this country, John Dewey and others, said, this is un-American. I mean, they took the right side on the issue. And yet we see these same education elites today taking the same position as the KKK from the 1920s. It's just astounding. It is astounding. Michael, I, th- I think of what's taken place after the uh, Trump election, in which we see on many campuses under the name of toleration, um, just am- amazing things taking place that, to me, seem to be incredibly intolerant. And it frightens me when I hear about this. It, it, it is uh, exactly a parallel of what you're talking about is, is these people do not believe in freedom. They do not believe in, in actual, um, I mean, tolerance as a, as a legal concept is actually a, a substandard uh, idea because the Toleration Acts of William and Mary of the, of the 1680s were essentially this. If you don't differ too much from orthodoxy, we'll let you go. But you, there's still all kinds of penalties for being different from the orthodoxy. But we didn't in this country, say, we're going to accept tolerance as the concept. We, want, we went further. We went to liberty. And liberty means that the government has no jurisdiction over the soul, mind, and, and the practices of, of religion of man. And, and whether it's, you know, it's a 24-7 kind of freedom. It's not just Sunday morning church kind of freedom. It's 24-7. And uh, that idea of going back to tolerance 
is a regression away from the heritage of this country. Because they mean tolerance in the old-fashioned way. If you don't differ too much from what we believe, we're going to put up with you. But if you differ too much, heresy trials are coming. And, and so that's what uh, the battle's all about, and you can see that being played out on college campuses. You can be you know, in the media and all kinds of places. And it's just simply uh, an, a direct attack on the freedoms of this country. Well, you know, as you say that, I think of the Obama administration and their um, take on religious freedom in which they said, Essentially, you have the right or the freedom to worship, but the right of free exercise um, is no longer uh, the standard. And, I, and I've always been concerned about that. Freedom to worship meaning you can do whatever you want within the four walls of your church, basically. But once you step outside those walls, the government uh, will regulate you or tolerate you, just as you said. So I, 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 th- I think that's really going on these days. It is. It's exactly going on, and and that's you know that's the the theme of of the vast majority of the liberal elites today. And 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 in just twenty something years ago, it wasn't that day. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act passed in 1994 uh, unanimously in the House of Representatives and 97 to three in the U.S. Senate. And I'm the guy who named the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. I was the co-chairman with Mark Stern from the American Jewish Congress of the group of lawyers who wrote it. And that was the law that Hobby Lobby used to protect itself against Obamacare. And because they see things like Hobby Lobby winning and they see people making arguments that uh, on, on issues like, you know, not wanting to be forced into same-sex marriage, the left has abandoned religious liberty. And they say, no, no, uh, we were wrong 20 years ago. Religious freedom really isn't for everybody. It's for those that we agree with and not for everybody. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker of Malkin Baker, and if you're just turning it, uh, tuning in, we are talking about homeschooling and the law with Michael Ferris. Uh, Michael, I want to segue from that a little bit into uh, your not-for-profit entrepreneurship. Um, you're not only um, heading up Homeschool Legal Defense Association, but you're also the chancellor for a college which you started. Tell us about that. Well, Patrick Henry College is now in its 17th year. Uh, we're a small uh, Christian school, and uh, we have about 300 students. Uh, we have seven majors, um, including economics and business analytics and journalism and literature and uh, a couple of others. But the, uh, the college is most well-known for two things. One is our strategic intelligence program, and that, uh, even more uh, our uh, government program, including getting kids ready for law school. Two of our graduates are today uh, clerking for the United States Supreme Court. One clerks for Justice Kennedy, one clerks for Justice Alito. They, one went to Harvard Law School, was the top of his class. One went to the University of Virginia, was the top of her class. And uh, <clears throat> a lot of this comes from our, our moot court team, which is, as you know, of course, legal debate, uh, a simulated Supreme Court argument. And we have won nine uh, of the last 12 national championships in this summer, we actually competed against law schools in the human rights uh, court tournament in at the UN in Geneva. Um, the only other American school to qualify besides Patrick Henry was Yale Law School, and Patrick Henry won the world championship. Um, so how do you, as a small school just starting up, how do you do that? Well, um, <clears throat> it, there's a couple of reasons. One is, is that... Uh, Homeschoolers have a really pretty robust debate league, and we get a lot of feeder kids in that. Um, my daughter and I, um, 
basically were the ones who started that too. But she, you know, I started it by telling Christy to get to work and go get this debate league started. So that was my job, and um, and so my daughter Christy, who actually uh, lives in the Chicago area now, being uh, she and her husband are being trained in church planning ministry there. Um, started the league, and we get a lot of a lot of really good kids from that. But uh, um, we have, you know, coaching. I'm uh, I, I coach it with uh, Frank Galuza, and we've together worked uh, for about eight years together. And before that, I coached it alone. And we have smart kids who work hard, and they you know compete against each other, and you know, and the coaches know we we know what we're doing. Uh, kids who go to Duke and Virginia. They're smart kids too. Most of them work hard, but those big universities, their their professors are rewarded for research, not for invi- you know being involved with kids, with the students. Well, and let so, me ask you that. What's the uh, what's the connection between homeschooling and and uh, Patrick Henry? About eighty percent of our kids at Patrick Henry were homeschooled. Uh, now that doesn't mean they were homeschooled K through twelve. About half of the homeschooled group at, at the college were um, homeschooled all the way through, and then another half were homeschooled for some portion of their education. You know, Michael, that was our family. We we homeschooled for about 10 years, five of six of my kids, but I always, there's this image, and I'd love our audience to hear uh, hear this. The image I have of my son Jonathan at age six, one of the ideas of homeschooling is you find out where their interests are, and then you use those to really perk their imaginations rather than just feed them standard stuff. My son loved the Cubs. And so at age six, he began, every morning he would spread the newspaper out and read the stats and read all the stories about the Cubs. And uh, his reading skills just uh, flourished that way. But I think that's probably true for many of the kids in your college. It is. Homeschooling does allow um, young people to um, get the basics in all subjects. The most most important thing to do is, is to get uh, truly fluent in the two languages of learning, which are words and numbers. Uh, your, your basic reading and grammar skills and spelling skills are an important thing to master, and your basic mathematical literacy is important to master. After that, it's exposure. And so kids need a wide range of exposure to a variety of things, but they're going to find that special subject, just as you were talking about, where they can really go deep. And that will do two things. One, it will give them a, uh, a head start in some area of endeavor, but even more importantly, it gives them a love of learning. And that combination is just lights kids on fire, and, and a lot of good comes from that combination. That was, that was true with our kids. Now, I'm running out of time here. Give us details on both the College and Homeschool Legal Defense Fund. How do we find out about those? Do you have a website for them? The website for, for uh, the college is um, phc.edu. That's the initials of Patrick Henry College and the abbreviation for education. Uh, homeschool Legal Defense is just hslda.org. And so <clears throat> lots and lots of information on both websites. Michael, thank you. Uh, If you have legal needs or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R dot com. Call us uh, and let us know any of your questions. Michael, once again, thank you so much for being on the program with us. God bless you all. God bless you. 
Somebody, yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. 